Hi, you're listening to Flying Sober. This is a podcast about cultivating relationships and sobriety and stepping into self-discovery through love, understanding, and exploration. The opportunity to learn about yourself through others starts now. Hello, 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 my lovely listeners. Welcome to Flying Sober Podcast. I am Rachel. And I am Jonathan. It's so nice to be back again. Oh, no, this is incredible. And you know what? I got to say thank you to all of our listeners. I know, Rachel, you should say thank you, but I, I need to say thank you because you all are making this just so much fun and so easy. Um, we were just so and we've had so many downloads, Jonathan. We've had so Yay! many downloads. We've had great feedback. Albert Einstein once said the same there mind. There we that go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just have to say this. You know, I, Albert Einstein once said the same mind that created the problem is not going to be the one that comes up with the solution. What that means is we need other people. Um, so our listeners have asked right. us point blank and period. Who the hell are you guys? I know. <laughs> you know, like, I, 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 listen, God bless us, Rachel. We didn't even talk about ourselves yet. Yeah, I know. God bless <laughs> us, Rachel. It's like, we just expected everyone to listen to us and take our advice, yet they don't even know who we are. I like, know. That's really responsible. But so we're going to take this, uh, we're going to take this episode and, and kind of introduce ourselves. Um, yeah. So and, and thank where you we for that from. suggestion. I just wanted to say that. Absolutely. Thank you to our awesome listeners. Um, so like, <sighs> Dale Carnegie. If you haven't read this book, it's incredible. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've and heard of it. It, it. You've heard of it, but no one's really read it. A lot of people who have read it, it's changed their personal relationships forever. Oh. And there's some key questions that you're supposed to ask people, like when you're starting to build a connection and you want to do it in a short amount of time. So we came up with these questions that we're going to ask each other, um, kind of give our listeners more of a view of where we came from. and. You know, we've talked about the program of recovery. I mean, let's just, yes, we've outed ourselves. We're in recovery. Um, but let's ask us some questions that really give you the meat and potatoes of where we really come from. So, Rachel, I'm going to ask you, what was your bottom? Ooh, that's a big one. My bottom was I, I reached a place in my, um, what I call my drinking phase, where I just didn't like myself anymore. I also didn't like living here in Miami. And I was in and out of a lot of dysfunctional relationships. That was it. The worst blunt of it was my drinking. And it took a life form of its own. You know, I got to the point of no return. I didn't want to live like this anymore. It was pure hell. And I knew I was in trouble. I remember when I was, I was living at a friend's house and, you know, I also didn't feel comfortable there. I felt like I needed my own place. I just wasn't in a position to. I was physically, mentally, and spiritually ill and basically mobile. But I wanted to get better so bad. And that is the moment that I got on my knees and I cried for help. But I also knew that something drastic had to happen and that I had to get myself into a rehab. And I tell you, this is a long story, but with the grace of God, I got my health insurance to pay for it. And so I had my own intervention. Really? Yeah, crazy, right? 
I told my family and a few friends, and off I went to rehab. That was it in a nutshell. You know, I'm in sales, and um, I was on a sales trip. I was going throughout the whole state of Florida. Um, there's been places that I visited that a lot of people have been to, and then there's other places that I visited that I really don't recommend anyone goes to. I mean, Florida has those kind of places. And it's funny, I, I came down for... Um, Easter. I was down here for Easter. And I remember the chain of events that happened. I came down here for Easter and I only came down here. It's not like I really wanted to see my family. I got to admit it. Like I'm, I listen, I was so selfish and self-centered to the core. I couldn't even see it at that point in my life. Um, I came down, I collected my Easter gifts and basically I left on that Monday without saying goodbye to any of my family members. And I remember it was brought to my attention. And my mom literally said to me, like, Jonathan, you were so hung over and whacked out from the night before. You literally just woke up and left. And you didn't even have the nerve to say goodbye. Mm. And in that moment when I heard that, like, my first response was, like, you know, go F yourself. Like, basically, like, yeah. I, you know, it, when people are calling me out, like, I don't really... I don't really feel comfortable with that. So I just went, um, I, I went across uh, Alligator Alley and went to the west coast of Florida. And it was about two weeks into this sales trip. And um, it got to the point where um, I didn't want to live anymore. 26 years old. Think about oh. that. 26 years old. I didn't know you were that young. Yeah. Wow. 26 years old. And, and I didn't have the will to live. I, I, I would wake up in just fear and torment and not knowing how to live a life. I remember um, I was pretty whacked out at a bar in Sarasota. I was sitting on a uh, on one of those parking um, like blocks and I decided to call my grandfather and I told my grandfather for the first time in my life how what was really going on because he asked me he goes Jonathan are you okay? And I said I said, Grandpa, I'm not okay. I don't even have the will to live. I was like one step away from offing myself. And um, he said, Jonathan, when was the last time you spoke to God? And I said, Grandpa, I, I don't know, like 15 years? And he says, why don't you get on your knees tonight and give him a call? Mm. He'll answer. And... Um, that was my bottom. That's how I was brought to my knees. It was suggested to me by my grandfather to give God a call because I didn't have the will to live anymore. So, yeah, sorry to get a little bit uh, touchy there and emotional, but, um, you know, we all come from where we come from. Uh, but uh, so, Rachel, we, we, we saw where you got to, right? So, yeah, you know, I want to backtrack just a little bit because um, people sometimes wonder, like, how do you get to that place? And to be honest, I also wondered how the hell did it get so bad? But this disease kind of snuck up on me and it started taking things from me over time. You know, I had a really great life. I was married. I had my own business. We lived in a big house in Hollywood Beach. I was living the American dream before it all went downhill. I don't attribute everything in light of my alcoholism, but it certainly played a huge role in my movie. It made all my problems so much worse. So after I lost everything, including my house, I went to live with a friend in Miami who was generous enough to let me stay with her. 
What I didn't know is that this place was eventually going to cripple me and take my self-worth. This is where I crossed the invincible line, as they say. Because all we did was party and hang out at this bar that was literally around the corner. I used to call that place Loserville, so you can only imagine the kind of people I was surrounded with. But you know what they say, like attracts like, and that's really how I felt about myself. I don't want to sound grim. It wasn't all doom and gloom. We had some fun times, but the drinking took its toll. And at some point, it got to be too much. You know that saying, the fun is not so much fun anymore? Exactly. Bottom line, I just couldn't get better in that kind of environment. So fast forward five years, I gradually became more depressed and essentially resentful of this entire situation. It may have given me some financial freedom, but long-term it was enabling my drinking and ultimately holding me back. But in retrospect, now I realize this had to happen for me to open up my eyes and see clearly. That really was a turning point for me because this certainly wasn't my purpose in life. I knew I had bigger fish to fry. And man, when I got to rehab, I was the happiest camper in town. And now I wear my recovery like a badge of honor. And everybody who knows me knows that. It's amazing. Like we work together, we talk, we laugh, we have all this fun. And we don't even know about each other. I know, right? And that's powerful. So I made it back home. Um, I was living in Tallahassee at that time. And I went immediately to the place that I love going to, which was the bar. And I sat down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And because I had no idea, right at that point. And um, I'm sitting at the bar with um, I was a beverage consultant with the major, major. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Like I was working for a major um, alcohol distributor at that point. And uh, we're sitting at the bar where, you know, I'm three sheets to the wind. And the waitress comes up to the table and she says, um, I start hitting on her. Actually, like I, I wanted to get a date. Like I thought like I was like this Rico suave kind of guy, even though I was completely broke and bouncing run checks. I thought it'd be a good idea to try to ask this beautiful woman out on a date. So I asked her what was new in her life. And she was just like, well, I have to go to these meetings. And I'm like, what kind of meetings do you have to go to? And she says, I have to go to these meetings of recovery and I don't want to go alone and I can't go with my classmates because she was actually doing the right thing, studying to become um, a mental health therapist and wanted to get her of GRE and um and I just wanted a date and um and I said I'll go with you and all my friends were like what I'm like what y'all never hit rock bottom before and I'm like boom <laughs> I'm going and um that's how I made it into actual recovery and wow um, funny how that works you know I started relating with other people and, and getting a sense of uh, that I wasn't alone with my thought pro- my, my thought processes and my resentments and how I viewed the world and eventually I got sold on the idea as long as I put my recovery first everything else will fall into place and I had to make a decision and that's how I was brought to these uh into this program it, it's, it's it's unbelievable um And, you know, when I reflect on that, you know, you said 26 years old. I wish I got here sooner. Yeah, I say that all the time. So, Rachel, the throes of addiction, what do you feel it robbed you of? You know, like that V8 commercial where you're just like, I don't know if you guys remember the V8 commercial where the person like walking sideways, but then he drinks V8 and then he... It's kind of like the Snickers commercial, right? When they're acting like a little bitch and then you eat a Snicker bar and then all of a sudden you're like, I feel great. (laughs) 
it's kind of like that like you know i got sober and all of a sudden my life straightened out when i was drinking i always had to work extra harder as we all were man it was a challenge going through life drinking there were so many ups and downs especially in my relationships i can't even believe i have friends that are still my friends 30 years later if you were going to be in my life it was a roller coaster ride i'm not saying it wasn't fun but you know it got rocky at times anyway i didn't have it all together obviously worst of all i always put my drinking first so you were riding in the back of the bus with me imagine what that looked like I was married for really? 10 years. Really? Yeah. And that even came like second to alcohol. And that's so unbelievable to me. You want to hear something crazy? I just saw my ex-husband and you know what I, I said? To, <laughs> I don't even know why I asked him that question. I said, do you think alcohol was an issue um, in our in our relationship? What do you think he said? <laughs> he went, a hundred and one percent. I'm not joking. It's funny. I was like, oh, I wish you would have told me that. And you know what? He probably did, but I, I didn't hear it. So to answer your question, I think I missed out on a lot in life because I was never fully present. And that is something I don't take for granted today. So tell me, what has it taken from you? Everything. Um, you know, I started, I started, you know, drinking and using when I was in high school because I just looked for anything to help me feel a part of. And the more I engaged in that act, those activities, the less I actually focused on my life and, and started robbing myself of motivation to actually like do well in either scholastics or sports. I mean, there's a long laundry list of opportunities that I passed up because I just didn't have the motivation and the willingness, which resulted into me going into a second tier community college. And I remember, um, you know, we, we had mentioned it in the, in the episode beforehand uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up writing my book. Um, when I lost all that weight, 115 pounds, I actually quit drinking. Yeah, I switched one addiction out for another. I, I shifted out the drinking and focused on working out and it became an obsessive just drive, like I gotta lose all this weight. Um, and looking back, you know, the fact that I was partaking in drinking and using rather than being an, an actual productive teenager or, you know, uh, or even trying to be, you know, in athletics or sports, because, you know, it's funny, like looking back now, like athletics and sports, I used to look at that as a chore. It's actually an opportunity to learn more about, you know, not only just confidence, but competitive drive. Like that's what makes this country that we live in so amazing. Like we have a competitive drive. Competitiveness is actually healthy because it drives all of us to strive to be better, right? I was robbed of that. Um, and when I lost all the weight and all of a sudden the girls start looking at me, like I realized like, no wonder I'm a virgin at 20 years old. Like I was robbed of so many experiences that I could have had as in my early teens and as well in my, in, in my twenties, um, you know, that I can't even buy back. But what's amazing about, you know, this program is I, I get another opportunity today to live in today and actually have those moments to cherish when they present themselves again. But um, I was robbed of everything, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't finish 
I didn't finish college. I cheated my way through high school. Um, I was told that I could have been a phenomenal actor. I was too lazy and not motivated. I didn't go into acting. I was told that I should have been a lawyer because I'm really good at presenting arguments and talking. And I didn't pursue that either because that was such a chore and such a, you know, I thought to myself, crap, yeah. six years of school, seven years of school. Who has time for that? No, not me. But look, I mean, here's the thing. When we, be when we go into recovery, all these opportunities are readily available to us again. It's, uh, it's, it's like a second chance in life. And I think this is where we're going to stop. Um, and we're going to, our next episode, we will talk about not just what we're doing, but all these other opportunities that present themselves. Especially what happens in relationships when you get sober. What happens in relationships? The big question mark a lot specifically when it comes to dating what should you do versus what you should not do and that's let's talk about that next time absolutely we will and uh we thank all of our listeners um god bless you all we love you and please stay happy stay safe and stay healthy and i sure hope you enjoyed this episode today and with that said, we look forward to the next time we connect, which is every Friday at 7 a.m. For any comments, go to flying-sober.com.